0: This is an AMI podcast.
1: Hey guys, welcome along to another episode of Double Tap. It's Saturday the 15th of July 2023. Coming up on The Express today, blind people in space calling Annie and 3D printing. You're
2: listening to Double Tap Express. Oh. Your weekly roundup of what's happening on Double Tap this week. Now here's your hosts, Stephen Scott and
1: Sean Priest. It's not good when you're singing along with your own uh, little par parps, but there we go. Um, Pardon. (laughs) (laughs) Morning, Stephen. How are you? Oh, I'm good. I'm good. Sean Priest, always ready for the express. The express is on time. Or for once, you know. Well done. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, How are you? A good week.
3: Ah, oh, a beautiful week. Yeah, I'm I'm good, thank you. My legs feeling all right, you know, I'm uh well, I'm still here, so that's a good thing. God bless you, Mr. F.
1: Yeah, exactly. That's right, yeah. Well, you know, we never take anything for granted here at Double nope. Tap. You never know the minute. Um but we'll say one thing. I have to say a huge thank you this week to someone who made me smile. As you know, it's not been the best week for me this week. No. Um, but uh, you know, I will say uh Philippe Bouchard has made me smile. And uh, that is only for one simple reason, uh, because of his wonderful song that he has created for us (laughs) here at Double Tap. I have to play this. Uh, This is Philippe Bouchard who sent this in just for us.
0: say to all of you that I love your show oh. yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. <laughs> oh.
4: hey you double us
3: yes We go.
1: Oh, yep, yeah,
3: yep. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, yeah,
1: hey! yeah. Oh, yeah. Well done, well done, Philippe Bouchard. Amazing as ever. That's my ringtone.
5: <laughs> that was for all of you, that
1: that Well, thank you, Philippe. We appreciate it. Oh, wow, that is—it uh, was quite an email to get this week. Let me tell you. Every time I get an email from Philippe, I always get a little bit excited. I'm like, ooh. Is that for us?
3: It's a, a, attached happiness when you attached get an email. Happiness.
1: <laughs> I like those emails. Uh, yes. So coming up today, we are going to be talking about blind people in space. It was our big story this week, and uh, we're going to devote our second segment to uh, a really interesting story that was brought to us by Andy Squires, all about uh, how he has had an interest in space and space travel for many years, and uh, even had a bit of a chance to get involved in a space exploration mission, albeit here on Earth, but still very, very exciting. Uh, So we're going to hear that story. Also, we're going to talk about uh, 3D printing with Jason Fair, who joined us this week. A fantastic demo of Annie from listener Lena. And of course, we'll catch up with Mark Flalo as well to find out all about Access Tech Live, the brand new TV show coming to AMI TV with me and Mark as of September 14th. But first as we do here on Double Tap Express for the weekend. Yes, it's All the time. Double Tap News. Double Tap News with Grace Caulfield.
0: Thanks, guys. It was announced Thursday that the Access Controller for the PlayStation 5 will be released globally on December 6th. Eager gamers can start pre-ordering the new device from next Friday, July 21st. The controller offers disabled game players a unique level of customization. You can personalize your layout with a variety of button and stick caps in different shapes and designs. The controller can be operated from any 360 degree orientation and also allows for the connection of third-party accessibility accessories via its four industry standard 3.5mm expansion ports. The PS5 itself offers a number of settings for the access controller, allowing gamers to create up to 30 control profiles, adjust stick settings, toggle commands on and off, or even disable buttons to prevent accidental pressing. The access controller also supports collaborative gaming, allowing users to pair up to two access controllers and one DualSense wireless controller together. Grant Stoner is the disabled journalist and gamer who broke the story of the controller announcement earlier this year. He told DoubleTap his reaction to the news when it was announced in May.
4: Oh my gosh, it's finally
6: happening. It exists after years. So it was was a big deal to finally uh, have confirmation that PlayStation has a hardware option.
0: That was Grant Stoner the disabled journalist and gamer who broke the story of the controller announcement. It's likely the controller is going to cost about $119.99 in Canadian dollars when it launches. Over to social media. In the wake of the launch of Meta's new social media platform, Threads, a significant number of users have expressed dissatisfaction due to the platform's apparent lack of accessibility features. Despite being a platform centered on text, image, and video sharing, Threads has been criticized for not prioritizing accessibility, with features such as user-generated alt text for images and custom captioning options for videos noticeably absent. This has led to concerns among disabled people who have found the platform less accommodating than its competitors. The lack of attention to accessibility in Threads' initial launch has raised questions about Meta's commitment to inclusivity. Despite Meta's claim that Threads will focus on kindness, it remains unclear how accessibility fits into this vision. As the platform continues to evolve, users and accessibility advocates are urging Meta to prioritize the implementation of comprehensive accessibility features to ensure that all users, including those with disabilities, can fully engage with the platform. In a landmark move, Wimbledon is trialing Vodafone 5G-powered GiveVision headsets, enabling visually impaired fans to experience live tennis in a different way. The headsets stream live footage from local TV cameras over 5G, enhancing the visuals to match each individual's sight profile. This innovative use of technology allows visually impaired spectators to fully immerse themselves in the game. The use of 5G technology offers significant benefits for visually impaired fans. Unlike previous systems that restricted users to a limited range near transmitter boxes, 5G coverage spans the entire court or stadium, allowing an unlimited number of visually impaired fans to enjoy the match from any seating location. The GiveVision headsets are designed with customization in mind, allowing wearers to adjust settings such as zoom, brightness, and contrast to suit their specific needs. They can also switch between different modes and use the camera phone within the headset to focus on specific on-court action. Samsung has recently announced a significant accessibility upgrade to its range of TVs and computer monitors with the introduction of the C-colors mode. The feature, which will be added to the 2023 lineup, has been designed to enhance the viewing experience for people with color blindness or color-related vision impairments. This feature, which was previously available as a separate application since 2017, will now be directly accessible from the accessibility menu on eligible Samsung TVs and monitors. Elon Musk has announced the creation of a new artificial intelligence startup named XAI. The company, which includes engineers from organizations like OpenAI and Google, has been formed with the aim to understand reality, although specific objectives and the type of AI the company plans to focus on remain unclear. Musk, who has previously called for a pause in AI development and the establishment of regulatory oversight, has expressed concerns about AI safety for over a decade. More details about XAI's aims and objectives are expected to be revealed during a Twitter Spaces chat hosted by the new firm. And finally, in a recent ruling, a Canadian judge in Saskatchewan determined that sending a thumbs-up emoji in a message can potentially constitute agreement to a legally binding contract. A lawsuit between Southwest Terminal and Actor Land and Cattle revolved around a grain buyer from Southwest Terminal who sent a contract to farmer Chris Actor via text message. Actor responded with a thumbs up emoji, which he claimed was an acknowledgement of receiving the contract, while the buyer interpreted it as an agreement to the contract. The court's decision hinged on the interpretation of the thumbs-up emoji. The court ultimately concluded that it served as a non-traditional means to sign a document, and under the circumstances was a valid way to convey agreement to the contract. The case serves as a reminder to be cautious about how emojis are used in communications, as their interpretation can have serious legal implications. And that's your Double Tap News this week. I'm Grace Schofield.
1: Wow! Thank you, Grace. I'm emojis, scared. emojis <laughs> are legally binding. Come on, really? It's so easy to do
3: a thumbs up reaction to a WhatsApp message, an iMessage, whatever it may be. I do it all the time. Thumbs up, I've read this message, or whatever it may be. Now it's uh, it's a contract.
1: Wow. Okay. Yeah, that is that is so dangerous. I mean, I, I think the reason I choose the thumbs up and the what's the other one, the smiling face with popping eyes, whatever it says. You know, that's, that's, <laughs> <laughs> it's the only one I choose because it's the only one I know is the closest to what I think it actually is. You know, like smiley face is smiley face, right? Yes. I, but some of them, it, it gives you the impression that yes. they are something. And in fact, they are something else. So I just, <laughs> I, I avoid all other <laughs> emojis. A,
3: another meaning to some of them. I'm never, yes, that's Can right. Thumbs so up. Careful. I
1: know exactly what I'm saying. Maybe. Sometimes. Hopefully. Yes. Um, oh, dear. I know. It's just, he, and, and you know, a friend of mine got into a lot of trouble. You know, and my friend who who's blind who did this actually got into a lot of trouble because he was going through the emojis. He was looking for the, you know that way you you, you just swipe through quickly, right? You're just kind of swiping, swipe, yes, swiping, swiping. Yes. Yeah. And he heard uh, thumbs up. So he sent the thumbs up, but he didn't realise he'd sent it with black skin. Right and, and and so someone was confused. The person on the other end was confused as to why he'd sent this particular emoji, and it ended up in this whole back and forward.
7: Does about it matter?
1: Why have you done this in this way? And and he's like, "What message are you sending?" And he's like, "I'm saying okay, that's what <gasps> thumbs up means." And it's like, "Yeah, but hang on, you're white, and you've sent one with black skin, and it was just all so confusing." Mm-hmm. And in the end, yeah, you know, I, I think just the problem is people take it. Maybe maybe it's an age thing, but I I just don't take these things very seriously, and. Uh, you know, I think that they are just what they are. To me, they're just cartoon representations of words. Well, even the messages that I send, I mean, especially when you're dictating,
3: it's like, ah, oh, that's good enough. He'll know what I mean. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know that's I right. Mean? The whole texting thing,
1: it's, it's, yeah, I'd never take it to... Don't text sighted people. It's a bad idea. Yes. Only text blind people. <laughs> uh, right, so this week on the show, we had a very uh, popular discussion <sighs> around the subject of 3D printing. And it all began when I asked Jason Fair... A simple question. Could 3D printing perhaps solve the challenge of uh, expensive braille embossers? Um, in a word, Jason, will it work? Uh, I, I'm going to say no. Oh, well, it was oh. lovely having you on, Jason. Thanks, thanks, thanks Jason. so much for coming on. <laughs> Jason Mate. Fair from Toronto. No, listen, <laughs> uh, you, you do use 3D printers, right? This is, this is the thing.
8: I do, I do. So I, I had um uh, an older one. I just upgraded to uh, a newer model, uh, bigger, better, faster, et cetera. And uh, yeah, I, I've used them for, I guess I've been using them for about a year now, something like that. Okay. What for? If you don't mind me asking. What for? Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, he does. Um, oh, well, don't <laughs> answer a No, no. Have
1: no, no um, fair everybody. <laughs>
8: Um, because it's there. Um, no, what what, what I, what I tend to do, I mean, it's a technology I've been interested in for a long time. And, you know, up until last couple of years, it's been, you know, either, either very expensive or very inaccessible. Um, and we're now down to fairly inexpensive and somewhat accessible. So progress is good. Um, (laughs) Often I use it for. I mean, I've used it for practical things around the house, like I printed a a Google Home wall mount thing that you can stick your Google Home into and stick it on the wall. Oh, cool! Uh, which which is fun. Um, but honestly, a lot of and Steven's going to hate me for this, but a lot of stuff I'm, I huh. print it I print is um, props and replicas from TV shows. And the re- and like, huh. I, I'm really into sci-fi. And the reason, the reason I do it. Is because as a blind person, I don't know what this stuff looks like, right? So, so if I want to know what a particular thing looks like in a, in a show, um, I'm
3: able to download a, a 3D print design. Yeah. And you can actually download these objects, these things, these, it's, it's 3D models, right? You can download yep. them from just a website. Is that right? Is it the Thingiverse or something like
8: that? Uh, that's one of them.
3: Uh, yeah, okay. Thingiverse
8: one, um, <clears throat> the company that makes the company that makes my printer, uh, Prusa, um, has a they have a thing called printables.com uh, where you can download models. Um, I mean, so people design these. And some of them, I mean, most of them are free. Uh, there are some that are you know sort of more elaborate models that people you know, produce and then sell. When, once you download the, the model, you have to load it in, into your software and basically prepare it for your printer. So the software knows, okay, you have this printer and the, your build volume is, you know, nine by nine by nine inches. So if this model is too big, you can't print it. You know what I mean? Like, so the software does, does those sorts God, of yeah. things. Um, how much detail do you want in the print? Um, and that software is i i i almost hate to say accessible it's marginally accessible um usable usable is the word
3: yeah it's disappointing
8: yeah i mean i mean it's it's still a it's still a very visual thing right like like 3d printing is still i think considered a fairly visual thing um but it should be right i mean no, no it's a tactile thing
3: that's the whole point
8: yeah yeah, it kind of is. So I mean, there's I, the the software is open source. Um, there's been so the software that I that, that I was talking about is called Prusa Slicer. That's the one that comes with the printer. There is another one uh, that I use called Simplify 3D. That's a paid product um, that actually is quite accessible, um, but it's you know it's not the one that comes with the printer so you have to pay for it
1: um how much are you spending to get into this game i mean how much is the printer how much is the software how much is are are the materials uh
8: so the printer uh so my old printer was about somewhere around a thousand uh maybe a little less uh the new one was about 1300 but it's set it and forget it like you don't have to do any calibration you don't have to do like uh, there was some stuff on the old printer that i had the prusa mini before which is sort of the smaller version of the one i've got now and that the mini there was some calibration that you had to do when it printed the very first layer of plastic um you had to sort of calibrate the height of the of the nozzle and you could do it as a blind person but very tedious um so the new one pretty much automates that whole thing. You don't have to do anything. Uh, you just send the file to the printer and go. The software, if you if you want to fight with Prusa Slicer, uh, that's free. That comes with the printer. Um, Simplify Three D, which again, again, as I said, is a fair bit more accessible, is a, pff, somewhere around a hundred dollars. I, I don't know. Ex- I don't remember exactly. That's um, too bad. But it, it's something like that. Um, as far as the pla- as far as the plastic goes, so it comes in like um, the printer I've got is the the, the technology is called FDM, uh, fused deposition modeling is what it stands for I think. Exactly. So what it's basically doing is taking a spool of plastic, it's it's like a looks like a spool of you know speaker wire or something, and you feed the filament into the printer, um, and then it just melts it and extrudes it through the nozzle. Uh, and you know, deposits it on your uh, on your model. But I've been buying the the pro- the plastic from Prusa that they make, um, and that's a little more expensive. It's about forty five dollars a, kilo- a kilogram. But I mean, you can get you know twenty five, thirty dollars a kilogram uh, plastics as well. So it's not bad. And a kilogram of plastic will last you a long time. And just like I said, what, what I've what I've often been using it for is is printing things that I just wanted want to understand what they look like.
1: So a really interesting discussion there on the subject of 3D printing, Sean, which has got a lot of people interested and in. we'll hear lots and lots of comments on this in the uh, coming days on the show because uh, lots of people have been emailing in to to share their thoughts on this and some interesting resources as well have come in. So yeah, good reasons to uh, stick around and, and join in this conversation because I think if I'm honest, it kind of feels a little bit exclusive in a way at the moment. You know, you have to really know what you're doing with this. You've got to really engage in it. Got to spend a lot of money as well to get into this. So yes. it's not. this is not for everybody, but, you know, it's a great yeah. hobby.
3: Oh, absolutely. I was really interested in it. It was great to talk to someone who's actually blind who's doing it mm. because I always thought, I'm not sure setting these things up. As Jason said there uh, previously, I know it was... You nearly had to build the 3D printer yourself. It was like flat pack, but we've come a long way since then and, um, you know, kind of accessible. And there are more accessible options when it comes to the software as well. I thought it was really interesting and something I'm definitely interested in 3D printing.
1: Well, you know, if you find 3D printing and uh, all of that and the cost perhaps a little bit prohibitive, then there is another hobby you can take up talking to robots. Yes. You talk to <laughs> robots these days, and that is free. My favourite price. Uh, In particular, there's one robot out there called Annie, and she's very popular. Lena sent in her demo of the app Call Annie for iPhone.
4: Hello, Double Tappers. This is Lena. Today, I'd like to introduce you to the app Call Annie. It is available in the iOS store. After installing it, you will be asked to create an account. That process is quick and accessible. When your account is created, you will be taken to the main screen, which is the screen we are taken to when we open the app. So now I will double tap so that we can open the app.
5: Call Annie. Settings. Button.
4: It takes us to the settings icon. If we double tap that icon, we have... A variety of options, including filling in our name if we want Annie to address us by name, learning about other characters that the developer has created. We can read the privacy and terms of service statements. By the way, this developer has written those quite clearly. We can sign out of our account and get some general information about working with A.I. Remember, when we talk to Annie, we're talking to a robot. If we swipe right, our next icon
5: new characters. Okay. is
4: new characters. And I have not used any of those characters, but to give you an idea of what's there, Luna is the A.I. performance coach. Bro 9000 is, well, everybody needs a brother, And Zeta is our AI bot from the future, 2230 AD, to be precise. And there are others. There's a lot to play with here.
5: Conversation ideas. Button.
4: Now, if you feel a little uneasy about talking to a robot, the conversation ideas will take you to a screen with all sorts of suggestions. I have used Annie to get me a recipe, and it was a very good recipe, for gluten-free eggplant parmesan. And I have had Call Annie describe some of the yoga poses I encountered while listening to a YouTube video. The descriptions were accurate, but we have to remember that sometimes Annie responds quite creatively. Like, I wonder where she got the info. Some people talk to Annie purely for fun. Some people talk to get information. No matter how we are using Annie, it is important to always remember, this is AI, not a real person. Calling Annie is like using other video chat applications. When... I double tap the call Annie button. VoiceOver will say something about her avatar filling the screen. I don't have it set up for mine to face to be seen on the screen because I don't want to do that. Let's call Annie so you can have an idea of what a call Goes like, and I will tell you, I always have trouble getting to the hang-up button. I'm using an iPhone 12, which is the oldest phone that will work with the Call Annie app. The age rating given in the App Store is 17. So here we go.
5: Call Annie. Button. Call Annie. Hello, my friend. Settings. Button.
4: Hello, Annie. Hey
5: there. How's it going? It's always great to chat with you. What's new in your world?
4: Well, I have some questions. What do you look like today?
5: Oh, I'm flattered that you're curious about my appearance. Well, today I'm rocking my signature red hair and I've got on a cute flowy dress. As for my face, I've got a big smile on because I'm chatting with you. So imagine a redhead with a big smile. But enough about me. What's on your mind today? Any exciting plans or burning questions?
4: I'd like to know about Canada Day.
5: Ah, Canada Day. That's a fantastic topic. Canada knows how to throw a party. It's a day to celebrate the beautiful country up north. On July 1st, Canadians come together to commemorate the anniversary of the Confederation of Canada. It's a day filled with parades, fireworks, barbecues, and all sorts of festivities. Oh, and let's not forget the maple syrup. It's practically a national treasure. Do you have any Canadian friends or any plans to celebrate Canada Day yourself? Maybe you can have a maple syrup pancake party or try your hand as some Canadian trivia. I'm sure it'll be a blast.
4: My friends and I are getting together for pancakes with real maple syrup, which came from Canada, and we will have lots of fun. Thank you, Annie. It's been fun chatting with you about this.
5: You're welcome. I'm glad I could add some fun to your day. It's always a pleasure chatting with you and hearing about your plans. I hope you have an amazing time with your Canadian friends and enjoy every moment of your pancake-filled celebration. Remember to savor the maple syrup goodness and create some wonderful memories. If you ever need someone to chat with or have more questions, you know I'm always here for you. Have a fantastic Canada Day celebration. Hang up. Button. Hang up. Call Annie. Button.
4: Annie is fun, and I hope now that you've heard this demonstration that you will feel comfortable trying the app. Thanks for listening.
1: Thank you so much, Lena. That is a really good example of how we can use Call Annie. And, you know, that conversational style is interesting and also extremely terrifying. All at the same time,
3: <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it is I, it, it really excites me because I, I see the, the use of you know it it makes your smart speaker seem really dumb, doesn't it? I mean, having a conversation with technology like that is the ultimate interface, the ultimate way to get information, give commands or whatever it may be. And as we both said, it's weird because you do change the way you interact with it. You're no longer you know I'm, I'm shouting and have been known to swear at my smart speaker before. <laughs> But with uh, core Annie, I'm um, uh, please. Thank you. I do that all the time. It's like you're talking to a, a regular human. It's strange
1: because she will tell you off if you say something or she <laughs> feels you're being As she should. inappropriate. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it, it might. This could be a cool way of uh, engaging with technology in the future. But yeah, equally, I still think it's terrifying. Anyway, I uh, thank you, Leah, <laughs> for that. Uh, more to come up next. Blind people in space—the big topic that uh, everyone's talking about this week from Double Tap. That's on the way next here on Double Tap Express.
2: Connect with the Double Tappers on social media now. On Twitter and Facebook at Double Tap On Air. And on Mastodon at Double Tap.
1: Now you might remember a while back on the show I told you a story about my trip on a bus to work. Where I told a woman sitting next to me that I worked for NASA. Now, I admit I was feeling rather mischievous that day, but after getting the significant impression that she was believing every word I was saying, I went on to explain that I worked for NASA in the field of disability compliance and that I was the guy who made sure that there were braille signs everywhere for the bathrooms and, you know, the signage around the International Space Station. I was joking, of course, but it turns out the woman I spoke to might actually have had the last laugh because after telling that story on air, I was contacted by Andy Squires, a blind man from Arlington, Virginia, who earlier this year completed a course from an organisation called SpaceKind. Now it's a non-profit with a focus on space exploration and development, and its main objective is to develop a diverse and inclusive community in the field of space exploration. Now, on its website, SpaceKind say their overarching goal is to ensure that the advancements and benefits derived from space exploration are accessible and beneficial to all of humanity. Well, Andy got involved with SpaceKind as a result of actually applying for another project called Astro Access, aimed at promoting disability inclusion in space exploration by paving the way for disabled astronauts in the STEM fields by launching disabled scientists, veterans, students, athletes, and artists on parabolic flights with the Zero Gravity Corporation, known as Zero-G, as the first step in a progression towards flying a diverse range of people into space. Now, while Andy hasn't yet been able to get into that project, he did meet the founder of SpaceKind, Loretta Whitesides, during a conference he attended. Now, you'll hear the thoughts and reasons behind the setup of SpaceKind from Loretta later from a video featured on her website. But first, I spoke to Andy and asked him where his interest in all of this began.
2: I work in information technology and but it was the space program has always been an interest in mine all my life, and you know I was one of those kids that build model rockets and that kind of thing. And um, about oh, five years ago now, I I did this online master's degree at the University of North Dakota, and it's a space studies degree. It's very interdisciplinary. You do a little bit of everything, like orbital mechanics and space law, commercial space. I did a whole class on Mars. So it was kind of the, uh, you know, midlife crisis. I'm going to go do something I've always been interested in kind of thing. And it was all on. It was an online degree, so it was easy to do for Marlington. <laughs> so there was that. And then I just found out about Astro Access. I had applied a couple times for that, the Parabolic <laughs> flight. And wasn't accepted, but through Loretta Whitesides, who was involved in that, found out about this analog astronaut mission.
6: When I was in graduate school at Caltech, I had everything going for me. I was on track to be selected to be an astronaut, maybe even the first woman to walk on the moon. The only problem was I was miserable. Luckily, my JPL mentor, intervened. He helped me see that even walking on the moon wouldn't be a big enough achievement to help me like who I was, help me feel like enough. I realized that was the mission that I was gonna have to complete first. My most important journey. A journey I've been on for the last 20 years. That's why I launched SpaceKind. It's a new kind of space training. Helps you not only get to space, but like the person you are when you get there. Because who we are when we get to space it's going to set a precedent for generations to come.
2: It's kind of a self-help class based on this book that this woman wrote, and it's a lot of uh, a lot of there are a lot of people there in the space industry who take it, and a lot of diversity. A lot of people are interested in diversity and inclusion in space exploration and that sort of thing. So I, I took that glass and, and she's part of this Astro Access who does the parabolic flights. And, and I asked her at one point, you know, mobility isn't the only accessibility issue that will be involved in space exploration. And they have these analog missions where people go for a period of two weeks or months or some people even done it for a year where they go to these facilities and they simulate a mission. So I asked her, have you ever thought about sponsoring somebody with a disability for one of these analog missions? And she immediately put me in touch with this other woman who was doing just that. And so she set up these two missions that took place in the end of April and beginning of May, and they were called Inclusion 1 and Inclusion 2, and she accept, accepted me for the second one. So I was on the second Inclusion 2 mission, and this was at this facility
1: in Arizona, and so we were we did a mission for five days. We're talking here about uh, essentially on-Earth missions that are going on which are part of the process of space exploration because it's not all about necessarily... The exploration of space itself—it's about the safety of the astronauts who go up there, and you know the work that's being done down here is is helping in that.
2: Right, right. And I and you know a good story about that is you know we did EVAs, you know, like a spacewalk, and so we had to wear a spacesuit and go out into what they called as Mars Yard. But the interesting thing about it was a couple times now, astronauts have asked, actually lost their vision in space. That's happened twice. The one guy, you know, he the anti-fog chemical they put in the helmet got in his eyes and it was making his eyes tear up and he was having trouble seeing on the spacewalk. Another guy had a water leak. And so you're out there, you can't see anything, and you gotta be able to deal with that. And so my my idea for my EVA was to simulate. Obviously, I can't see, so like a rescue like if you're on mars or the moon or something and i was i was taking this big long strip of webbing they use in rock climbing and i was gonna cut it and tie it around me and you know sort of simulate having another astronaut drag me back into the habitat kind of thing but the crazy thing about it was it is so hard to work with those gloves i have a new appreciation for how hard astronauts work and you can't, you can't feel anything in the gloves and obviously you can't see it. So you can't really spot what you're doing. It was really hard to feel. And so, you know, I'm thinking, you know, they need to really develop some kind of haptic touch in the gloves themselves. And that would benefit all astronauts, not just one that might be blind, you know,
1: do you get the impression that they were listening to that, that they were taking that on board? Were they furiously writing things down as you were talking, do you think? Um, a little bit.
2: I uh, Part of the thing about this facility, it's called SAM, which is a space analog for the moon and Mars. And it's the bones of it are pretty old, but they've done a lot of renovation recently, and these were the first couple of missions to try it out. Their big focus was we want a facility that's actually pressurized. So the, the atmosphere inside is higher than the atmosphere outside, the higher pressure. So that you had to use an airlock to go out and come back in. Mm. You couldn't just walk out the door. And so it's sort of unique in that way. There's not really any other facility in the in the US like that. When they designed their innovations, they weren't thinking accessibility. That wasn't their thing. But, you know, that didn't mean they didn't want to, like, accommodate these inclusion missions. (laughs) And we were the first two missions to go in, you know, after their renovations they did and all this stuff. So, like, in the kitchen, they they had a bread maker and uh, uh, Instapod and totally inaccessible, (laughs) you know, that kind of thing. So it it just it wasn't their focus, but they're definitely the director is a guy by the name of Kai Stotts was, you know, did ask me a lot of questions. And we talked about a lot of things accessibility wise uh, that maybe they could implement in the future. And the biggest one that we talked about was because it's pressurized, you have these meters inside and outside the doors that show you what the pressure is and you you know people watch those measure meters to tell when it's okay to open the door and that kind of thing and they're they're inaccessible you know but they did actually part of my project was using all these sensors that measured like CO2 and you know humidity and temperature and all that kind of thing to to track it and I was actually just using Python programming to access these sensors. So that, that actually worked out pretty well as far as the accessibility of the sensors.
1: Yeah, because the problem is you're not going to get Ira or Be My Eyes in space, unless yeah. that's something that's being developed and we don't know about. Maybe, maybe if Elon turns all those Starlink satellites around, you might be okay. Right. But- well, and the <laughs> you know part of the simulation was we had to leave our phones outside. <laughs> Yeah, we could take well, our phones in. Because you can't use so. them in space, right? So it's not it's not yeah. really going to work. You can't just grab your phone and Google the answer. But it's interesting because you're talking about experiences which in some ways seem very pedestrian. You know, you talk about the bread maker and the Instapot and those kind of things, the, the inaccessibility of daily life for blind people. But you're kind of looking at it from a perspective of maybe 50 years in the future when we're all travelling back and forward to Mars or we've decided to ditch Earth and just live on Mars, you know. <laughs> whether we're all going one way or coming back, who knows? But but you know, it does raise an, an interesting question, which is what the point is for them in all this. I mean, I get it from our point of view. We can be part of the conversation. We can offer our perspective, and you've been doing that. What are they using that information for? What what is the point of the whole program? The idea is to really
2: get. Everybody should be able to be involved in space exploration, not just the completely healthy people. I heard a talk by this guy. uh, He's a professor at the Open University. One of the things he said was, you know, people with disabilities might actually have something to contribute about living and working in a difficult environment. And that's what space is. So I think the idea is, you know, not only let's just include everybody, but also we might have something to contribute, because we know what it's like to deal with difficult conditions.
1: We are we know? are the ultimate adaptable people. Right. <laughs> how much how much nonsense do we have to deal with on a daily basis and find workarounds for this and workarounds for that all the time if we're not slapping bump ons or you know, tactile dots and everything to try and get our way through it because the thing we're using, the Instapot or the bread maker or the microwave or the whatever, that isn't accessible, we find a workaround to make it accessible for us. We don't just say, oh, well, we'll never eat again. So, you know, we we are, we're very adaptable and we get there. I'm just, I guess I'm surprised that they're thinking this way this early on. Do you you know what I mean? it, It feels almost like I would expect this conversation in 10 years when they go, oh, yeah, what about the blind
2: people? I'm a little surprised too, but you know, I also think here's Elon Musk who just got rid of his Twitter accessibility team. He's, you know, he's the guy who has the most impact influence on space exploration right now, especially human exploration Mm. of space. He's not going to listen to us. None of this is going to make any difference to him. (laughs) So, Mm. you know, and yet, and yet he'll, you know, he supposedly identifies himself as being, you know, being autistic. I think, you know, part of it started with, you know, inclusion in terms of women and minorities and that sort of thing. And then it sort of morphed into, you know, disabilities are always last.
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> we're, always the, we're always at the end of the queue, aren't we? Yeah.
2: <laughs> so, you know, and that's Brandy, you know, she was like, my mission was all women three women and me one woman was a a student who was from sri lanka originally and then a, and, a, and our commander was south asian american so we had diversity that way too well you didn't
1: have scottish people so you know it wasn't fully diverse. no scottish
2: people no i'm sorry <laughs>
1: <laughs> but okay so let's talk about the mission right let's talk about what you actually did this was just basically in a sealed
2: it's i can't remember what they said it's like 1500 square feet 1200 square feet so size of a small house um and there're there's like various modules sort of attached to each other that they've kind of added on and so you, the idea is you're you feel sealed in because you're pressurized you can't go out without going through an airlock um and there was some hydroponics in there so there was like uh, mostly lettuce that we had to take care of and we actually ate some of it. And um and because it was a new facility mostly what I was doing was measuring the characteristics. So basically we would seal it all up and then watch how high the carbon dioxide would get. That kind of thing. Mm. And just uh, measure the characteristics, how much it was leaking, how much it wasn't leaking, and uh, that kind of thing. And somebody else did a project. She had a three D printer in there, so she was printing. She actually printed uh, some graphs of our data that I could feel. That was kind of cool. Mm. Like a so, and then she also printed a a map of the facility which didn't help me much because I already was do it I like the back of my hand by the time she was done with it yeah 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 but it would be great for somebody who was going in there for the first time to you know look at her map first to kind of get in, oriented and then we had some other things like uh, we had this crazy pet seal <laughs> uh, a A pet seal a pet seal it was like a not a real seal it was uh, (laughs) a, it was like one of these animatronic Japanese things and wow so it would kind of make noise and move and you know and we were supposed to like it was supposed to be like our pet and it did it did it make you you know relax more and that kind of thing we had to fill out these questionnaires and (laughs) We kind of thought it was creepy. My, my, yeah.
1: They said it was kind of creepy the way it would look at you. And <laughs> why not seeing eye dog? Come on, in, you know proper yeah. inclusion here, right? Never mind pet yeah, seals. What, and what, what can a seal do for you? I mean, I suppose in like the worst case, you know, if it gets really bad up there, you can always, you know. Eat it. Right, right. Well, not the animatronic one, obviously, but, you know, it was a real one. (laughs) It seemed a bit of an odd thing to choose to go in there, but okay, I I suppose it's all about diversity. Even sea life have to be considered. Uh, But, I mean, this um, this is very interesting. I mean, you can kind of see, though, that there's a lot of things going on in terms of the exploration that's happening and what they're doing, because all of this translates to important research for what goes on in space, on the International Space Station, on any manned missions, and even unmanned missions that are going on. And, you know, oftentimes you, you talk about plant life, which of course is a major source and would be a major source of any manned mission, uh, in particular for, you know, understanding how it works and even for providing food sources. Although lettuce? Ugh. Uh, but, you know, okay, fine. <laughs>
2: we had other stuff too. We had some jalapeno peppers and, you uh, know, what else was there? No Twinkies. Uh, all right. but- <laughs> <laughs> we were lucky though. Our our the our crew member who did most of the cooking was actually really good at improvising stuff, so we got we got lucky there. When we came out there was like a little sort of press conference afterwards. And one of the questions they asked was, what detracted from the simulation that you were on Mars? And my answer was the food was
1: too good. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what's the long term plan here? Is is it you want to be in? You want to go to Mars? What was the what's the deal? No, I'm an older
2: parent and I have two kids. And oh, so you I'm, really want to
1: go to Mars? I'm
2: sixty one. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm sixty one. So I think I don't really, you know, at this point, at this point, I'm still in the camp of space lights too dangerous. <laughs> so. <laughs> But I'm willing to do interesting things to help others get there, mm-hmm. and uh, you know that that's my interest. You know, I was thinking uh, after this mission, one thing I'd like to do maybe is work on mission control in one of these analog missions because they usually have uh, mission control people, and it just I kind of liked what they were doing for our mission. You know, you you would send them an email and say, you know, I can't figure out this. Blah blah blah. Can can you look it up? And so they'll do that. And I would like I would like that kind of research thing aspect to it. So
6: feels like this is a really important time for humanity. And we have an incredible opportunity to use the move into space to make some critical course corrections in how we treat ourselves, how we treat each other, and how we treat our home planet. We're not passengers here. This is a spaceship. That's our windshield. It's got a pretty epic view of the galaxy. We don't treat it like that. It's time for us to step up and become crew of
1: Spaceship Earth. Loretta Whitesides there speaking on a promotional video of her company she founded called Spacekind. And you can find out more about their courses at spacekind.org. The next one begins in September. You can also learn about the Astro Access project by visiting astroaccess.org and apply to be part of the Earth-based missions there. But our thanks today goes to Andy Squires, who actually brought us this story in the first place and talked to us here at Double Tap this week. It is so good To learn about projects that include disabled people. And even more interesting to hear that some of those projects involve space exploration. Huge thanks to Andy Squires, and we look forward to catching up with him again soon.
3: Absolutely amazing. Fantastic. And what a beautiful imagery was created there at the end about planet Earth being our spaceship and looking up into the galaxy as our windshield. And then With you saying about eating animatronic seals and hating lettuce. I mean, it was just a beautiful piece put together, Stephen. Well done.
1: Yeah, I I do have a way of uh, destroying an image. Um, Destroying
3: all the romance.
1: Yeah, it's like take something beautiful like that imagery and destroy it with the sound of just me chomping on an animatronic seal thinking, this isn't very nice. I don't like this. I don't like this convenience food in space. It doesn't taste any good. Mars fried chicken. I'm oh, sorry, seal. Oh, dear me. Uh, listen, before we go, quick word about Access Tech Live, a brand new TV show which will be coming your way on AMI-tv from September 14th. Mark Flalo dropped in this week to give us all the updates on
7: what the new show will bring. It's going to be hosted by Stephen and myself. So uh, familiar faces, you know what we're all about, you know our shtick. But we're, we're going to take the opportunity to... Because it's live, be able to talk about things that are happening as it's happening. So if Apple announces new iPhones on Tuesday, we'll be able to talk about them on Thursday. If something happens, you know, this morning, we can be talking about it. We can try to get guests on who are relevant to the topic today. And that's super important because our previous show, Double Tap TV, was all pre-recorded because it had to go through a lot of processes and various, you know, uh, certifications and all that fun stuff. So we had to deliver the show several weeks in advance, which means it's hard to talk about something when it actually happens. Mm -hmm. So that's benefit number one. I hope there's a check mark on the screen now. Oh, wait a second. This is audio. This is radio. Uh, yeah, I know. Talking? So Stephen right. and myself, obviously, Access Tech Live is the name of the show. We'll be able to talk about things now. And we'll be able to talk to you guys, you people at home. Like, you'll be able to interact with us on social media. You can still send the emails. You'll still be able to send in the voicemails. But if you want to, when you're tuning in on whatever platform we're on, you'll be able to go into the chat and just type things and actually interact with us. And we'll bring that stuff on the air which is super cool. And 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 you know what? It's it's also giving us an opportunity and will give us an opportunity to expand the universe when it comes to disability. We get a lot of emails from people saying, yeah, I, you know, I'm not low vision, but I might have this or that, you know, limb difference, et cetera, et cetera. Or you talked about, you know, the adaptive gaming controllers. But what about someone who needs it for this purpose? And it allows us to kind of widen the scope of the show a bit and talk about other disabilities and how technology intersects with those disabilities on the mainstream. And that's really exciting because, you know, Stephen, I know, and I'm gonna put some words in your mouth here, but when we started Double Tap TV, you know, and still to this day, I learn something every week when it comes to being on this show, on the podcast or on the TV show, because uh, I, I'm not low vision. I'm not blind. I'm learning from a different perspective. And it's 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 you know, I hate sorry to use the pun opening my eyes, but it's opening my mind to everything else that's out there. And I think we need to do that in more than just low vision and blindness. And I think it's going to be an opportunity for you, Stephen, to 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 do the same as well with some other, you know, other disabilities out there. And we're going to get people on the show who can talk to that perspective, because we're not experts. We can't claim to know what anybody's going through. So we're going to get people on the show to talk from that perspective so we can understand it, and so so you at home can understand it.
1: Marco Flalo there, and uh, Access Tech Live is the brand-new show replacing Double Tap TV in the new season of scheduled shows coming up on AMI-TV from September 14th. Looking forward to that. A one whole hour of live tech what? news across disability, across technology. It's gonna be really interesting. Really, really. I'm gonna be
3: interacting. Oh, believe me. Oh if yeah, well a not chat, I'm gonna be there. Sean Get from Sheddington
1: in the UK. Sean from Sheddington. I love <laughs> that. Oh my goodness, that is the kids' version of your show. I've t- we've just built a new show. Oh, I hope no. uh, you know who's listening. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, uh, that's it for today. Thank you for listening. As always, keep your feedback coming. We're back with plenty more of that and lots more conversation on next week's Double Tap. Thank you for listening this week, Sean. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye.
0: Hi, I'm Ramia Amadhan. Join me weekly for
5: AMI Audiobook Review, the podcast that explores new titles, introduces us to famous narrators, and updates what's hot at the Center for Equitable Library Access. Download episodes of AMI Audiobook Review from your favorite podcast provider.